Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I recently purchased a digital to analog video converter. Ooh. So I have undertaken the project of recording a um, very large streaming services media onto uh, VHS cassette. You are a madman. Why? I, I cannot tell you why I'm doing this. It is for personal use and personal use only. But I can't justify why I'm doing no, I, it at all. I actually, I love this because I, when I was a kid, like we had so many uh, tapes that would just have like shit that you taped off of cable where it was just like, I guess I need a copy of True Lies and also the first three episodes of Days of Our Lives like on this shitty little tape. So this is, I think that there's something hiding out in your brain that has been waiting to hatch all this time and now it's finally uh, coming to fruition. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's also, it works by uh, plugging the HDMI cable and into my laptop and then plugging the uh, regular AV cable into the VCR. So it's basically just I've made my uh, analog television a second monitor, <laughs> a very you know, shitty, large second monitor. <laughs> see, this is incredible because I feel like uh, my, my I would I would die instantly if I saw the crown on an old school convex uh, wood paneled TV while playing it <laughs> on a VCR. Like this is forbidden visuals that we were like the human brain was not meant to look at <laughs> like it's just it's it's against against the natural order of things um i so uh what what ghoul shit have you been uh, up to this week aside from uh flouting the will of god well i uh recently went to my local record store and vinyl and they got in a uh tupperware of old vhs so not Holy only shit. was I able to purchase uh, Real Genius and um, several horror movies on tape, uh, but uh, I got a lot of moldy tapes as well. Now, did you know that black mold can grow on videotape? <laughs> no, I don't want to live in a world with this knowledge. Yeah, this so, is... so the thing you have to be careful of that I've only recently discovered mm. by having a midlife crisis and starting to collect dead media <laughs> is that uh, they mold. If if they're, you know, in a somebody's basement, like anything else, they'll grow mold on them. Weird. So when you pull them out, the windows on a VHS tape, you can see these like white spots and those are mold. You can clean them, but it requires disassembling a VCR and holding a Q-tip at the exact right pressure while the tape plays so that uh -huh. you don't push it too hard to bend the tape, but you don't touch it too lightly so it doesn't wipe the mold off. So Lord have mercy. Almost no one is willing to do that. <laughs> However, uh, my, <laughs> my uh, record store's loss is my gain because he's like, I have to throw all these tapes away, but if you want any of the cardboard boxes, you can have them. So I now have all of the Hellraiser tape yes. boxes and now i'm just waiting to figure out what to do with them so <laughs> quincy putting putting a moldy uh, uh vhs tape into a vcr this is how you turn into stephen king in creep show <laughs> like, he's the farmer who gets eaten by all the lichen like this is 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to check back in on you in, like, a couple of days, and you're just going to be, like, texting me with, like, moss-covered fingers, like... <laughs> It's like, hey, wait, have you have you seen Sling Blade on VHS and just like tapping it out with, with fuzzy <laughs> fuzzy fingers? That's incredible. So what have you been up to, Ryan? <laughs> oh Jesus. I well, uh, I have realized that I have been uh well, okay, so Splatterpunk and Extreme Horror, right? Um classically I'm not a huge fan of Splatterpunk outside of like Poppy Z Bright and Clive like early Clive Barker. Um because, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of the Splatterpunk that I've read is, it, it, you know, but I decided to uh, stop being unfair to it and get uh, start, you know, reading a little more widely because I'm like, I mean, it's like a subgenre like any subgenre. And so I've been, uh, the last couple of days, I've been reading this uh, novel called True Crime by Samantha Kolesnik. Have you heard about this? No, tell me more. First of all, I have to appreciate the the brass ones it takes to call your novel True Crime. Like, that's an, that's that's a powerful move. Uh but true crime, it like follows this brother and sister who have a horrifically abusive mom that they kill and then go on a uh, killing spree. And it's like it's a level of upsetting that's just like I feel like I need to take a shower after reading it because it's it's like the closest approximation of like Rob Zombie Hellbilly world building I've ever seen in an actual novel. What makes a thing extreme horror is my question. Like, how do we know when a thing is just horror and when it's extreme horror? So I think um, what has been colloquially termed uh, torture porn is where we get into the extreme. I think it is. Yeah. And, and it's not just gore. It's just like hyper gore. So yeah. like, so, okay, so... It's weird because I would say Rob Zombie is splatterpunk, and yet I would say that, um, or has a, a splatterpunk extreme horror aesthetic. Oh, for sure. But I wouldn't call necromantic extreme horror in the same regard. It, it feels <laughs> yeah. like there was a mid-2000s looking at the camera and saying, like, I'm a very dirty boy <laughs> approach <laughs> to horror that kind of is fitting what we're talking about, this extreme Absolutely. horror yeah, I, I think it's like a like a, a sort of relish about like grinding people's faces into the worst possible aspects of horror. And by worst, I mean like, you know, listen, it, it can't just be blood. You also have to have various other fluids in the mix and you have to really, really like knuckle down and focus on them. And also um, everything has to have a palpable layer of grime on it. You can't have any actor who is clean. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about uh, the book True Crime is that like every character in this thing is just a vile, weird little shitbird. And it's yeah, when when there is a character in it, that's not that thing. You've been conditioned to look at them and be like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> like, did you did you wind up in the wrong novel? So um, speaking of vile, weird little shitbirds, let's talk about our movie for this week. Hachi machi. So this week, uh, we are talking about uh, the uh, gross, uh, kind of weirdly sweet uh, body horror movie uh, from 2016. It's Are We Not Cats? And uh, this was provided to us from our friends at MVD Visual and Cleopatra. So thank you again for sending us uh, physical media to review. We really oh, yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, Cle but it's Cleopatra also streaming. Yeah, it's on uh, Shutter right now. Uh, if you want to go watch it, um, this is. I'm. I, I feel comfortable saying that this might be one of the most passionately ugly movies I have ever seen. Yeah, it is. Um, it really. 
uh, has convictions and it sticks to them aggressively. <laughs> it starts with yep. the the first scene. The credit sequence is roiling hair in fluid. Yeah, like I've got, here's the thing. Uh, I made the executive decision to try eating lunch while watching this. <laughs> oh, oh, Quincy. Oh, friends and neighbors. This was a bad call. Um, it is, yeah, like it just, oh, it, you know, it, the, the, the visuals in this, like, I'm really, really happy that this wasn't made in like 2006 in the post saw boom because everything would have had this like green filter over it. And I think that would be less gross than the color palette of the actual movie. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, very pretty in some parts. It has this very bright color palette. Yeah, which is actually, which is the thing that I love is that like a lot of, well, okay, we'll get into it. So it, uh, the movie follows a uh, character named Eli who is just uh, treated as God's butt plug throughout this film. He's yeah, having a so bad Yeah, so Xander time. Robin, the director in the commentary said he uh, looks at Eli as like a Travis Bickle type character. Uh, a, oh, yeah. A character, he's like not as violent as Travis Bickle, but similarly just disconnected to social norms you know the the taxi driver scene where he takes his date to a um travis takes his date to a porno theater and doesn't Mm -hmm. understand why she's upset about it like eli has that level of emotional intelligence i think absolutely right and honestly a lot of the stuff that happens to him in this film uh there's a speaking of taxi driver there's this scene in taxi driver where um he so he takes her to the porno theater and she's like yeah deuces and then like later on he's calling her from a payphone trying to be like hey you know can i take you out again and it's just like you only hear his side of the phone call and it's shot from behind and it's just so pathetic that like the camera uh, pans to the right and just looks at an empty hallway because, like, even the camera itself can't bear to look upon how pathetic this is. Um, and this is kind of, you know, and and Eli in this movie, he's, it starts out and he's a garbage man um, who uh, everybody just hates this guy. Like, he is just universally loathed. And he, while uh, on his uh, usual garbage run, uh, stops in on his ex-girlfriend to try to I don't know, like... Actually, it's his current girlfriend, and then she breaks up with him, I do believe. Oh, that's right. He comes by, and he's like, hey, you want to hang out, or, or like, whatever, and, and she won't open the door all the way, and she's like, nah, man, I'm cool, and then he's like, what, is there someone in there? Haha. <laughs> and then she just keeps looking at him, he's like, ah, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she's for sure cheating on you, pal. And so she tells him to get, you know, get the fuck out, and then his coworker throws him in garbage. <laughs> Which is so powerful. Like he comes out, and the guy is like, "Yeah, why the fuck did we stop here anyway?" And Eli tries taking a swing, tries taking a swing at the guy who just yeets him into the garbage. So Eli um, goes home to his immigrant parents, and they're like, "You got to get out of here. You can't stay here anymore." <laughs> yeah, well, because they're like, "Yeah, we're moving. We're moving to a different place." No, you can't come with. Bye. <laughs> like so. An- another thing I learned from the director commentary is. Um, the the dad is not a native English speaker and mm-hmm. is a classically trained theater actor. So he memorized his lines and was waiting for Michael Patrick Nicholson, who plays Eli, to just mm-hmm. feed him his cues. So uh, Nicholson was talking about how hard it was because he's not a classically trained actor and he improvises a lot. 
Mm-hmm. So it was really tough to remember, oh yeah, I have to use the last word of every line or this guy won't understand when to say his lines. Oh shit, so a lot of Eli's lines are improvised? What Xander Robin says in the um, commentary is that he uh, wrote a script and then if people had ideas, he's like, yeah, let's add that. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, yeah, it, this makes me think of the fact that uh, Antonio Banderas uh, did not speak a word of English when he made Interview with the Vampire <laughs> and was just like doing the lines with like, okay, this, these are the words I have to say, this is the emotion I have to put behind it, and go. Um, which is always really impressive to me. It, it makes me think about um, how weird it must be. A thing that always blows my mind is when there are two professional wrestlers who don't speak the same language but can still put together a match on the fly. Yeah. It's, That's it's, magic. It's wonderful. And it's so fascinating to me because, and if you, if you're smartened up at least a little bit from the internet, Mm -hmm. you can see body cues, but it still is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Which also, unfortunately, this can uh, backfire. Like there's a match uh, from back in the day with uh, Christian versus S.A. Rios. And the language barrier murdered that match. They did not know how to do the match. I think what's Um, crazy is we see these wonderful international matches where these wrestlers are amazing. mm -hmm. But then you watch things like uh, The Rock versus Mick Foley where they both speak the same language and yet The Rock is just murdering Mick because he's like, well, you weren't in the right spot. So I just kept giving you chair shots. Yeah. I, I thought you knew. <laughs> yeah, no, no, listen, I thought it was going to be fine if I gave you seven to nine unprotected chair shots to the head. Like, <laughs> G- yeah, you know, uh, divided by a common language. Um, now, this movie, is this movie Mumblegore? Yes, I would say it is. Um, it's actually, um, it's really two films. It's the first half and then the third act are completely different movies completely agree like the movie honestly kind of starts when uh the uh the other uh late in this movie the uh, anya shows up um most of the rest of the story is just build up for like the crap sack world that eli lives in um now the music in this movie is something i really really appreciate because it's like how it, it's like 70s music but slowed down so that it sounds like demons singing it but it's also pretty catchy yeah, it's it's AM radio by way of Witch House. <laughs> yes, this is a Witch House soundtrack. Um, and so Eli uh, lives in lives in a truck now, and he uh, gets a job from a guy that's like, you know, do you want to just... This takes place in, like, New York, I think. Uh, and so it's like, you know, do you want to drive all of this stuff to a place upstate, uh, you know, as a job? Because he lost his job after he took a swing at his coworker. And Eli is like, yeah, that checks out. Um, he plays the organ? Yeah, he's just really into little keyboards. And he sets up a little bedroom in the back of this box truck and just stays there after he drops off this uh, engine part that he has to he has to transport. Yeah, and he, when he, so he drops off the engine part, and there's this other guy waiting around at the auto mechanic shop who uh, needs that part to be able to drive, you know, away from the place. And this guy is just like a piece of shit like he's just an awful weird little dude who what are they drinking because he pulls out he's like you have to give me a ride in your truck and then while they're driving he pulls out what's essentially a um bleach bottle like a plastic bleach bottle but they're drinking out of it 
Yeah, you know what? That's one of the most uncomfortable parts of the movie is like watching somebody drink something out of like a cleaning product bottle. Like those aren't for drinking, dude. Like why yeah. would why would you but, do it? But they're drinking some sort of maybe liquor, maybe just antifreeze. I think it might be <laughs> antifreeze. Yeah, like a combination of like goat piss and gasoline. Like it's just and you know, this guy is like, "Haha, isn't that great?" and Eli is like pro- like about to throw up. Um now, uh, the the other guy takes him to a uh, weird little, like, basement rave. Um, yeah, I mean, who has not been to a basement rave before? <laughs> this but actually, the music yeah. is credited in the credits as Sludge Band. You know, that is sludge. That It sounds like the stuff at the bottom of the coffee pot. Uh, and it's <laughs> people sort of... Uh, not having a good time, but they're having a time in a uh, weird, dank little room. Um, and at this point, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it, it's like the, the photo negative of the rave from Blade. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's a bad time. Uh, but so the next morning, uh, so he, he meets uh, a young lady there named Anya, who, um, what, what, what's the thing that, the, the, the first connection they have where she's... She's just a manic pixie dream girl. She's just this girl who's wearing a mohair sweater and has, like, red hair. And she's, she's just this guy's, um, girlfriend. Yeah, it's like Natalie Portman. was like, I will, uh, keep fumbling through and asking, what are you, I mean, what are y'all doing later? <laughs> Yeah, she like Natalie Portman voice, uh, you know, this band will change your life and it's just like sludge witch house and it's just like <laughs> screaming noises for five just minutes. Feedback and drone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a manic pixie dream girl, but she's also like she's having a bad time in her life. Um, and she, I think, is dating uh, the weird little shit drinking out of the bleach bottle. Yeah, she is. And um. She has queerly also been drinking something out of some kind of bottle not made for drinking uh, because she busts her uh, eye open. Now, does the shit hit her? That's what didn't read clearly to me in the film. Yeah, I I assumed that uh, that guy must have just, like, slugged her in in the face. Uh, Mostly because, and maybe it's just that, I find that character so loathsome for reasons I can't totally uh, explicate that I'm like, you know what? He probably punched her in the face. Like, this is this is the kind of guy he is. Although um, she, you know, so so they have uh, a moment, Eli and Anya, and then uh, Eli leaves. And then the next morning, Quincy, this is the scene that has stuck with me the most since watching uh, uh, Are We Not Cats? He's at a diner and he has no money. And the guy is like, do you want some soup? It's free. And he's like, yeah, sure. So he fills a bowl full of water and squirts ketchup into it and stirs it and then hands it to him and then he drinks it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to point out the luscious hair of this diner worker oh, and how yeah. actually everyone in this movie, except for the protagonists, have long, flowing, beautiful hair. <laughs> That's a great point. Well, yeah, except for the two leads who, yeah, we'll, we'll get into. He, his hair, he looks, uh, this guy at the diner has, like, Chris Christopherson levels of, like, damn, that's a good head of hair. To, to put it very obscurely, this diner guy has a 
the Midnight Express, but now haircut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the Midnight Express, that's the only thing, I know two things about them, and one of them is that Jim Cornette had something to do with them, and they had really good hair. Yeah, Jim um, Cornette was their uh, their manager. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, now, the, so Eli has stolen an organ from the basement rager, and he's just, you know, pecking away at it. He likes to play it. I, my, I don't know if this is me navel-gazing too much, but my understanding of it is just that, like, he doesn't have anything anymore, and so he just has this organ, and it's, like, his now, and he really, it's, like, something that is actually meant to serve a non-functional purpose. That's a thing that he gets to have. I don't know what the deal is with the organ. I do appreciate, though, that multiple scenes in this movie involve Eli carrying a large piece of furniture up or down a staircase. <laughs> Sisyphean. Yeah, he's he's got to just, like, huck this thing around. Um, now, there's a guy who runs a logging company who is, like, the first person who is nice to Eli in this motion picture. Yeah, so so Eli's like, Anya, uh, when can I see you again? And she's like, well, I work at the um, the lumberyard, so, you know, come see me sometime. Yeah, um, and lumber lumberyard guy uh, is nice to him and also sings him a little song, which I thought was, was kind of nice. It was like a yeah. David Lynch moment. <laughs> It um, really was. Um, now, we have to point out that by this point in the movie, it's clear that Eli um, has bald patches on his face, so his stubble does not grow on one half of his chin. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him sitting in his truck by himself, uh, picking off and eating his hair. Yeah, so uh, uh, this is... Uh, what's the name of the the condition? It's trichotillomania. Uh, trichotillomania, which is, I I, I want to say that they 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 should have like punched that up a little bit more in in the naming. Um, oh, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, actually, naming, that I, yeah. actually, now that I think about it, yeah, trichotillomania. There's a there's a kind of music to it, and so he's, um, yeah, picking at himself a lot and just like pulling out his hair and, and pulling at his skin. Like his skin, it it doesn't look great. Um, but, uh, logging man gives him a job and, uh, Anya meets back up with him and they, they, now I will say these two actors have a lot of chemistry. They do. Um, so Anya's played by Chelsea Lopez and she does very well in this movie. Oh, she's fantastic. Like she's a powerhouse in this movie. Um, and, uh, now my favorite thing is Eli's line, which is a uh, line to her where, where he's just like. Do you want to come up to my truck where I live to see an organ that I stole? <laughs> where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Sure, I'll, I'll go into your truck to look at an organ you stole. Um, and they, you know, they start hanging out. And uh, he he's like trying to figure out what her deal is. And he realizes that she is wearing a wig. Yeah, and, and he's noticed that she is scratching the back of her head a lot, but he can't quite place it. And uh, then... Uh, she reveals her biggest secret, which is that she is a trichotillomaniac and has pulled almost all of her hair out. She's pulled almost all of her hair out. Um, there's a bit of it that's just sort of hanging in little wisps on her head, which for me is, I, I think, one of the more upsetting configurations for a head. Like, you know, I want it to be uh, uh, to have uh, hair or have no hair, but like having those little like Jason Voorhees like wisps of hair 
it's it's upsetting to me. Um, what I found especially striking is how realistic this is because mm-hmm. um, I'm a I'm what you call a dermatillomaniac. I pick obsessively. Oh yeah. So sometimes and and watching picking videos like pimple popping videos scratches that that itch in me. And oh same. The, uh, I love I love pimple popping videos. Uh, trichotillomaniacs and dermatillomaniacs. There's a little bit of an overlap. So sometimes um, if you follow the right hashtags you also find people in recovery and they'll show off like here's this week's hair growth and like here's you know i've gone this long but anya looks like someone who actually does have an extreme case of trichotillomania so that was that was cool that they actually um the the hair and makeup did really well in this movie they really, really did. Also, I just realized that my dad probably has dermatillomania. My dad doesn't have any fingernails. He chews them down all the way. Oh. <laughs> like, and also plays guitar, so, like, the ends are really, like, uh, calloused and nubby, but also has no fingernails. As a kid, I thought it was weird uh, when, when I would visit my dad for the summer and be like, why don't you have any fingernails? Um, but, yeah, that's... So, uh, she n- not only picks her hair out, she eats it. Yes. And when I say that she eats it, she eats so much hair. Like, I don't know, like this actor, this is, you know, taking on this role where you've just got to like put a lot of hair in your mouth. That that sounds like a bad time. Yeah, uh, because she does like on on camera put hair in her mouth. Um. Yeah. The Faustian Nonsense Network is here to help you produce your best work. We can edit, direct, draft, storyboard, and help your podcast increase its output and connect with the right audience. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. If you have a creative project that you want to monetize and get the most out of, Faustian Nonsense can make it happen. Come join our community and let's build something great together. So she's still dating the creep, but Eli's just hanging out at her house. Yeah, hanging out at her house, uh, this weirdly spacious house, by the way. Like, yeah. this is this is a palatial, but it's amazing because it looks like the kind of house that when I was a kid, I fantasized about living in, where it's like the house from The Crow or something, where it's just like very big, but, you know, you look like you could have a basement rager, for example. Um, yeah, and which she does. <laughs> oh, she does. She certainly does. Uh, and Kyle... Um, comes home to find them both hanging out uh, and sees that she has taken her wig off. And I don't know. I I was kind of expecting there to be like a fight between Kyle and Eli, but he basically, Kyle just says to Eli, like, you know, I hope you know what you're getting into. Now, I want to point out, uh, this movie takes place in the dead of winter. So Kyle has been wearing a beanie the entire time, which would make sense for the weather. But then given the end of the movie, he says to Eli, uh, get ready for what you're dealing with, which implies that when he, w- if Kyle has no hair as well. Oh, that's amazing. I, n- I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's um, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, this movie looks cold. Like, it yes. just looks like... I, I really appreciate... I don't know how movies communicate that on a sensory level to me. Like, it's. I'm always really impressed when I personally get shivery watching a movie. A lot of it is lighting, I think think and this one this movie is really well lit uh you can see every gross part uh so <laughs> you really can there's this very intimate makeout moment where eli and anya are gonna kiss except instead of kissing uh she starts nibbling little hairs off of the back of his neck 
Yeah, and actually, and I like the fact that the way it's filmed, they there's the music is not telling me this is weird and gross, and that's that's why this movie works uh, so well for me is that I never feel like the soundtrack is looking at me, uh, the viewer, and going, ah, isn't this weird? It's just like, no, these are two people who are clearly into each other, and they've got a weird thing, and isn't that nice? Like, she, you know, chews the the hair off uh, off of him, and we. How do they do? They eventually like we sort of cut to them ensconced in this relationship. Yeah, they're they're it's, it's very uh, hand wavy. It's like oh, you two have the same thing. It, it's it's a little frustrating that this feature spends so much time trying to characterize Eli, and then is like, but relationships we don't know how those work. So now they're <laughs> together. Wait, relationships is that the thing where we're all mean to Eli? Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure that's the uh, the primary uh, relationship dynamic in the movie. Uh, there's a uh, scene where they're fucking, and she is uh, straight up slurping down hair while they're fucking. And all right, all right, white people. Like, I guess we're I guess we're doing this. What we find out is that uh, all of that hair in her stomach. Quincy, did you know that human body that the human body cannot digest hair? I did because I watched Grey's Anatomy and there is a rip from the headlines episode of Grey's Anatomy about trichobezoars. Jiminy Christmas. Trichobezoars are um, referred to in this movie as a hair rock. It is about the size of a football, and it is just nothing but matted hair that has condensed into an unholy uh, orb. Now, they're not all this big. Mostly they're, you know, normal-sized amounts, but because this is a horror movie, it has to be the most absurd thing. Now, it is true that you will die if you get a bowel obstruction of hair. Oh, for sure. I mean, a bowel obstruction that serious. Like, I really, it's incredible that she's able to go to so many basement ragers with a fucking trichobezoar. Yeah, hanging she out. She does in her pass gut. out a lot. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, she's you know she really needs a fainting couch throughout most of this movie. Like, she'll just there's a scene in this movie that I actually really love where they're like dancing, and then in the middle of the dance, she just eats shit and like falls over in a way that was really jarring. Yeah. She uh, has uh, an event where she, like, stops... Is it that she stops breathing, or she just, like, so falls asleep and can't wake up? She she passes out and will not uh, wake up. Uh, but that is... We, we missed a very key moment of this where, after a night of literally eating every hair off Eli's head, she has to vomit, and we see the toilet just filled with essentially a wig and blood. Man, that wig. Honestly, like, the the sound design in this movie really, really goes ham. Like, there's there's uh, all of the sound cues and all of the foley. It just, it sounds wet and gross. Like, it's, this movie, you know, even if it's like, you know, if, as we're describing this movie, I think... You know, a lot of people would listen to this and be like, oh, I'm good, I don't need to watch Are We Not Cats. What This movie wants to do a very specific thing, and I think it achieves that hugely. Yes, for sure. Now, whether that's something you want to watch on screen or not, you just kind of have to decide for yourself. So, um, 
Anya passes out and will not wake up, so Eli calls nine one one. And what's especially uh, unsettling about this is throughout most of the next morning, where he wakes up after his hair has been eaten, he doesn't know that he doesn't have any hair. Yeah. So did she eat it while he was sleeping? Yes. She that's ate not... all of it while she, while he was sleeping. That's not what you want. I think this makes me think of um, Ozzy Osbourne while on tour once shaved off all of the eyebrows of his bandmates while they were sleeping. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna uh, take a hard stance on this. No, no haircuts while somebody is sleeping. Like you gotta no depilatory uh, behavior is acceptable while someone else is sleeping. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like you you really gotta like hey do you want a haircut? Like it's yeah. So he wakes up and and has you know no hair and the the ambulance is on the way. But he's freaking out because he's like, oh, no, like the only person who has ever looked at me without immediately like vomiting on me uh, is dying. And so he it's also buck wild because I don't know if this really happens. The 911 operators like hold on and puts him on the phone with a medical doctor who's like, oh, it's a trichobezoar. Let me give you some exposi- exposition about that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If my uh, if my girlfriend is dying and the person on the phone is like, well, it's actually really fascinating, so a trichobezoar, and you're just like, hey, no, I don't want to, please, can you send somebody now? <laughs> like, I really need you guys to get the lead out. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he explains what a trichobezoar is. Um, I actually fell down a research hole about trichotillomania, it's so much more common than I had thought. Oh, yeah. Like, and apparently it's sort of related to, like, uh, pica. Is it pica or pica? Uh, pica. Yeah, yeah, where it's just sort of... I mean, when I was a kid, I was really into eating sand. Um, I just really loved the taste of sand and wanted to eat as much of it as possible. Uh, and I, I think that I love movies like this that sort of dive into the weird parts of having a body. Yeah, it's it's like... This thing, it, it it's kind of saying, hey, you know, that thing that's on your head, it could kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is the best kind of body horror, that your body can revolt against you and destroy you. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie really, like, reified for me why I dig body horror so much, because... You know, it's sort of like the thing of uh, people who don't want to watch home invasion movies because they're like, shit, I have a home. That could happen to me. Like, if you have a body, your own body is a haunted house. Like, you're, you know, I, I love the idea that we're all, like, driven by compulsions. We can't necessarily control or understand, you know, like, that the there's something beautiful about a couple uh, made up of a guy who loves to have his hair pulled out and a woman who wants to eat it. Like that's, you want to find that symbiosis, I think. Yeah. So, uh, Eli panics because they are out in the upstate New York and the ambulance is taking forever. So like any rational, rational person, he pulls out a knife and cuts open on his stomach and pulls out, a football-sized rock made of hair. It is. It, it is woolly. Like this. This scene is upsetting. Uh, he. Now, what's what's funny about this is, and you know, I used to um, before I you know took health class uh, in high school, I'd always sort of assumed that uh, a cesarean section. You know, surely I thought there must be more finesse to it than just they gash open your belly and pull a baby out. 
nope, that's pretty much how it happens. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, he just gouges into her uh, stomach and, and pulls out the, the hair rock. Um, her acting, like, her performance during this, like, Civil War surgery scene is phenomenal. Yeah, it's very good. So the ambulance comes to get her, and I do appreciate later in the film we get a Eli gets yelled at by medical professionals <laughs> for not knowing what he's doing. Really, it's that, like, well, you know, he's already been insulted by uh, the private sector and friends and family. Let's bring in the medical establishment to call so him. So I really love that the doctor's like, you idiot, you could have killed her, you could have been charged with manslaughter. But where is it? I want to see it. I've never seen a bezoar before. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and Eli's like, I just, like, left it there. Like, I'm I'm not going to take the hair rock with me on my way to the hospital. <laughs> and the doctor's, like, very crestfallen. He's like, all right, then. <laughs> just, <laughs> we're done here and leaves. <laughs> I, I, I love so much that the doctor is like, that was stupid, it was irresponsible, it was dangerous, also can I see it? Like, <laughs> Please. I mean, because, like, same, though. Like, I'm also, like, you know, if I'd found out, like, oh, yeah, they pulled out, like, a, a popcorn bowl's worth of matted human hair from this person, I... I want to. I want to. I want to see it. Like yeah. two things are two things are true. You just did weird surgery on somebody and could have killed them, and also birthed uh, an abomination of uh, follicles and fluid. So you know that's fine. Uh, she she survives, which is great. Um, and then uh, those those two those two kids make it. I think. <laughs> and the last image is the hairball uh, bejeweled with bits of glass and mirror uh, creating a disco ball on the yeah, ceiling. Yeah, it's a, it's a disco bezoar that is just, like, suspended from the ceiling, and there's another rager. Um, and, yeah, this movie, it's not even... It's not even a full hour and a half. This movie is like an hour and 15 minutes, um, which I, I love, honestly, because why the fuck does it have to be half an... Like, wh why does it have to be 90 minutes at least? Like, What's it's, crazy is there are deleted scenes. Really? Like what? So, like, uh, we see this very artistic scene of, like, the 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 art installation piece in Anya's um, house uh, falls apart while... Uh, Eli is really angry waiting mm -hmm. for her at the doctor. So it's like a, um, you know, like the outside matches his insides, man. Oh, and, okay. And uh, just some more scenes of him sitting in his truck playing the <laughs> piano. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we really listen. Yeah. Hey, uh, love the movie. Super upsetting. Uh, I'm going to need about 15 minutes more organ noodling. Now, so if the yeah. one scene I am disappointed they cut is there is a the deleted scene, which is another reason why you should pick up this DVD. Uh, there's a deleted scene where he goes over to his friend's house. Uh, he's got these three friends. They're very much the 20 something who are only eating ramen noodles and playing video games. Mm -hmm. And they're like, man, I wish you could stay here on the couch, but we don't have any room for you. And Eli's like, but John is staying on the couch. And they're like, yeah, he stays on that couch, but he's paying us $25 to rent the couch. <laughs> and we're sitting on the other couch, so we don't have a place for you. 
his his friends are basically the skids from Letterkenny, I feel, where they're just like sitting in this little room with their video games and they're just complete dirtbags. And I love, you know, there's now they they ask him about, you know, his girlfriend at the top of the thing. And he's like, yeah, I broke up with her. And they're like, yeah, OK. Um, she has sure. a line. at the yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. We get that. Um, there, there's a line at the top of this movie that I keep thinking about, which is um, he's like, you know, or, you know. He's he's asking her like, all right, so are you fucking someone? And she's like, yeah. And then he's you know trying to pretend that he might also be fucking someone. And she's like, and she literally says to him, I can tell by your body language that you're not fucking anyone, which is fucking brutal. Um, yeah. So you know all that uh, leading to those two crazy kids making it with their bedazzled hair rock. It's this movie is so much sweeter than it has any right to be. Absolutely. Where do you want to put it on the list? All right. So looking at the list, uh, Quincy, is this a good movie? It is a first film done by a director. It has the potential to have been a good movie with the skill of a more seasoned professional. Uh, oh, yeah. But it is, as it is, not a good movie. Yeah, it has that it has that first movie smell. It's like it's like the the first pancake you make is always kind of fucked up and then all the ones after that are fine. It feels like a master's thesis. It's like, okay, here are all the things I learned in school. Uh, so I'm going to like here's my scene of the tree that's been chopped almost in half and we're going to superimpose that on this character having a personal discovery, and when the tree falls, he stands up and he knows it, which happens mm-hmm. in this movie. And, like, you know, we're going to have him playing with an organ because that's representative of something, but <laughs> the audience can't figure out what that is. This movie, it's like, it, it, it knows that it has to have something to say and kind of doesn't know what that is, but it's, like, confident that it'll, that it'll find it by the end. The other thing that uh, Xander Robin reveals in the commentary is that he knew what the final act would be, and then he was like, I just have to figure out how to get there. Oh, okay. So it really is kind of like two different movies in a sense of like, he was trying to tell a story based off of his uh, dad and his experiences, Mm -hmm. uh, and then also a story about Trichotillomania. It's it's basically uh, he the first two acts of this movie are nothing but like vibes and uh, atmosphere and aesthetic and then the third one I mean this is you know there were pantsers and plot and plotters and I don't know how you do that for the length of a feature film but I'm impressed that they managed to fucking wing it for an hour and fifteen minutes and eventually land on I mean you know it's not a good movie but. It is the only movie like itself that I've ever seen, so that's something. Yeah, it's 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 singular in a good way too. It's not singularly bad. It's singularly interesting. Yeah, so and, and as a as a film that held my attention for its runtime, it works for sure. I, I wasn't bored at any point, which I, f- I feel like is important. And really, uh, I, I mean, again, first pancake. It makes me want to see more from this director because it's like. Okay, so you've got a pretty good sense of, like, dynamic lighting, and you've got, you know, you've got X, Y, and Z that you do really well. There are images from this that are going to be sticking with me. Give me a movie next time. Yeah, it, it, so I've been reading about 
the a production of Apocalypse Now, which is mm-hmm. its own horror story. Oh <laughs> yeah, think about yeah, it. it's a nightmare. And one of the things that sticks with me that's so wild is Coppola said to the screenwriter, "Write every scene you want." And there, the original um, screenplay was like a thousand pages. This is, I think that the Wachowski sisters had the same process for writing Jupiter Ascending, where they were like, all ideas are good ideas. It was like, Channing Tatum is a werewolf boyfriend. Bees can smell royalty. And it's just like, yeah, you know, we're off to the fucking races. But yeah, I um, feel like there's this real misconception with the public and, and people beginning of how long a screenplay is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be a case of Xander Robin just like not knowing... <laughs> what actually goes into a screenplay. And I mean, I've not written a screenplay. However, I do have a degree in creative writing and I did a lot of stage productions. Mm-hmm. And so. my stage um, r- my stage writing professor kind of was like, or you could go into television and kind of like would roll his eyes and talk bad. <laughs> so it's like the, the TV writers, you know, they steal our craft and, and bastardize it. <laughs> they are witches who steal babies. They are, they are the fucking enemy, man. I love the narcissism of small differences between like people who write for TV and people who write for movies. Like it's the same goddamn thing. I mean, like obviously <laughs> it's different, but this is this is actually my favorite thing is uh, intercommunity drama that I am not involved in. Yeah, <laughs> like finding out that there's like a huge schism between uh, mall Santas who have natural beards and the ones who use fake beards. It's <laughs> yeah. So looking at the list, uh, I'm I'm confident in saying that this is not a bad movie. Like it's not it you know it's not half bad, but it's not half good either. You know what I mean? So the movie it reminded me most of is the short film He Took His Skin Off For Me, and that's at 349. Yes, yes. He, this is definitely, I feel like you could easily have uh, a double feature of this and He Took His Skin Off For Me, which would also approximate roughly one 90-minute movie in terms of runtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I really, really like He Took His Skin Off For Me, but I feel like, hmm. Counterpoint, uh is he took his skin off for me feels like a complete project and uh are we not cats feels like it needed to go through another draft yeah you're totally right like there's an interesting movie within this movie that took two acts to figure out what it was trying to say um you're totally right like he he took his skin off for me is just a perfect little chunk of you know the thing the thing that you want from it um, so I definitely think uh, he took his skin off for me. Yeah, we got to give the edge to that. However, right below- I think we do have to consider that short films um, are kind of a different medium in that they do exactly what they want. And like a long mm-hmm. film, it, it's almost like a short film for it to be good can't have anything messy. And a long yeah. film gets a, a free pass. It's kind of the same thing with like short stories and poetry versus novels. Um, yeah. So like. J.K. Rowling is a piece of garbage person sure. that should be thrown off the world. But uh, definitely, I think she got a lot of grace because her books were so long. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You forget like all of the shit. And also, they're for children. So when you're a child, you, you get that. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, well, and honestly, now for me, I'm a fucking cranky old person about this. Um, 
a thing like the movie that just came out uh, this last week was uh, the, the Zack Snyder cut of uh, Justice League, which I've never seen any of those movies, so I'm sure it's fine. Four hours of runtime? Get the fuck out of my house. Four hours. Like, I don't know. Like, if you need four goddamned human fiscal hours to tell a story, your vision fucking sucks. You Like, if you can't nail it within, like, two and a half hours tops, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't... I don't like books that are like 200,000 words because for me, like, I make it shorter. I've, with my one wild and precious life, you want me to, like, you want to show me your Pokemans for 300,000 words? Anyway, <laughs> I don't mean to, <laughs> I don't mean to cut a promo about this. Um, I have a short attention span and I don't like super, super long things, uh, which means that for a thing like he took his skin off for me, this is exactly my shit. Like, this is why I love short stories. Now, immediately below He Took His Skin Off For Me is Howling 3, which is the marsupial howling. <laughs> the, mar- the marsupials, yeah. Hmm. Um. <laughs> uh, I love Howling 3, the marsupials. Uh, which, which one do we think is better? It, both of them could be better films. <laughs> <laughs> Unequivocally, both of them could be a lot better than they are. Yeah, completely agree. However, I do think Howling 3, colon, The Marsupials has a more coherent plot where this one is like... Uh, Are We Not Cats is almost kind of a Potemkin village of a movie, and it's got like the third act is the front of this house and there's fucking nothing behind it. Um, so I feel like I want to give the edge to Howling 3. Right below Howling 3 is another werewolf movie, Wolf guy colon enraged like uh, lycanthrope lycanthrope lycanthrope. Um, lycanthrope which which do you think is better um I'm gonna say wolf guy now here's the other major boss battle at 361 is anaconda starring Jennifer Lopez oh Hachi Machi featuring John Voight doing some kind of accent <laughs> and then John Voight's corpse winking after being regurgitated by a big snake <laughs> power yeah an accent that had never been heard before and has not been heard since um I'm they I will be cold in my grave if I put uh are we not cats above anaconda but uh, right below that is donkey punch which is yet again a director who is competent who has a very interesting idea who also makes a movie that's so gross you have no desire to watch it a second time yeah donkey punch is garbage (laughs) i i i i I dislike that movie a great deal i think it does some interesting things i think it does some cool stuff but you know what actually friday night test i would probably rather watch are we not cats again just for the the vibes at the top of the movie then I would ever want to watch Donkey Punch. Yeah. Again. Which would ruin a uh, post-COVID get-together faster. Ooh, easily... Well, no, actually, are we not cats? Definitely. Because <laughs> uh, Donkey Punch is sort of, you know, it's very er- early 2010s where it's just like, some sexy young people are going to be hanging out on a boat, and it's not until, like, the end of the first act that you know what is going to be going on in this movie. Um, Are We Not Cats is pretty much upsetting from Jump Street, so I feel like that's the one you put on if you want to alienate everybody at this party. I think a a thing we forgot to mention is the basement that they go see this basement rager is caked in mud and hay or something that looks hair-like. Yeah, it's like a weird hirsute future barn. 
yeah. where it's just like the lighting is super neon and weird, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's like a, it's like a cursed barn full of hair. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's just a lot to look at. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, this, you know, Are We Not Cats has a distinct visual aesthetic in a way that Donkey Punch, and this isn't even, this almost isn't even Donkey Punch's fault. Uh, early 2010s movies all have the same washed out color filter and it drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, um, it's a, because it's it, a bad look. It just looks like dog shit. So yeah, like Are We Not Cats at least is kind of nice to look at. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so coming in uh, at our new number, 362, above Donkey Punch and below motherfucking Anaconda from 1997 is Are We Not Cats. I think um, Are We Not Cats might be the exact middle of this list. It is below things that are watchable <laughs> and above things that are absolutely unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, right below this, you know, we've got, uh, like, Batman Dead End. And, and uh, Anti-Burr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. 2010's so The Wolfman. <laughs> Man, there's... You know what? I, Quincy, we've been doing this podcast since 2017. There are so many movies on this list that I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know her. And then in a rush, I remember watching it and just go, oh. And like... <laughs> <laughs> so kind of, kind of like mentally shamble back away from it. Um, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Well, if they go to FaustianNonsense.com, our podcast network, they can find a whole lot of information there. We're also on social media. We have an Instagram, Rank and Vile, and we have a Twitter, Rank and Vilecast. We also have a TikTok, and I'm seeing this trend where everyone, corporations are getting on TikTok now. And I just yep. want to point out, we had it and abandoned it before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, no, we'd already we'd already pieced out by that point. But, so but yeah. if you want to follow us, we have a um, we have a TikTok as well. We certainly do. Uh, yeah, and then also, guys, we've uh, we've got a Patreon uh, for two dollars a month. You can have access to our show notes, and uh, at the five dollar tier, uh, you can have access to our bonus episodes where we talk about. Uh, non-horror movies we're mostly we're just doing like Sylvester Stallone movies on, on the Patreon that's I think that's the purpose of it on the uh, slide just, just yeah. Sylvester Stallone on the slide on on the slide is the, is the I, I need to develop a theme specific like an intro theme specifically for our side project on the slide <laughs> um, yeah but uh, barring that that is about all I got you got anything else stay spooky later folks